Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. The following was produced by Tearsheet Studios. We worked with employment data platform Argyle to create a podcast series about the rising importance of employment data and how lenders, banks, and fintechs are using this data to make financial products available to more people, solving some of the challenges with today's financial services. Good fintech solutions address the status quo of who gets to benefit from financial services. They do so by first recognizing that there is power in non-traditional data, and secondly, that the ownership of that data belongs with its creator, the consumer. From providing mobile-based banking services where brick-and-mortar banks don't compete, to simplifying payment flows for one-person businesses, fintechs empower individuals by giving them the financial tools and pathways to improving their lives. I spoke with Hannah Arnold, VP of Business Development at Argyle, about using employment data to supplement poor or non-existent credit in the lending process. Hi, uh, my name is Hannah Arnold. I'm running business development and uh, building out our mortgage business at Argyle. Uh, Argyle is a user permissioned gateway into employment or payroll records. So an API into accessing the data held within employment payroll records. So what we do, you know, we offer businesses uh, the ability to access uh, real time uh, instant data from their customers' income and employment records with consent. So that can be used for uh, verification of income and employment. We can switch the destination of direct deposits to, uh, you know, perhaps a new neobank. Uh, and then, you know, lots of really interesting use cases emerging around better servicing people with multiple income streams, uh, paycheck link lending, and lots of other things that we haven't yet discovered. The fintech space seeks to improve the way we approach banking and finance. And within it, some fintechs intentionally set out to address complex social problems by providing tools for people to take control of their finances and opportunities to improve their socioeconomic status. I started out actually thinking I wanted a career in international development. You know, I, I worked for an impact investment bank that was trying to create uh, inclusive financial vehicles for, for investment all over the world. I, I ended up actually becoming pretty disillusioned with a lot of the ideas core to that industry, but, you know, starting to engage at that point with ideas like microcredit and alternative financial products and, and trying to figure out what products were helpful versus hurtful, what worked versus didn't, you know, could you actually materially improve someone's financial situation even without, you know, structurally changing uh, society? So, and, and, you know, even at that time, you know, M-Pesa was really taking off in Kenya. I found that really fascinating the whole space just really captured my curiosity from pretty early on. So maybe not employment data, but certainly fintech. Um, and, and part of that is I think I've, I've just always personally found myself more drawn to um, you know, human and social problems more so than very strictly technical problems or very strictly scientific problems. And you know, here in fintech, you know, these were these new technologies or new business models that were attempting to crack really different difficult problems affecting actual people around access to credit, wealth building. Um, so, you know, employment data, I don't know, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a new version of a kind of long, long uh, trend towards getting deeper into, you know, uh, changing the way we access financial products and services. Access to financial products matters. Whether in Kenya or Kentucky, people are empowered when financial services are created and adapted to meet their needs. In America, where credit is king, and many people do not have the capacity to build it or do so well, it is important to provide alternatives to traditional scoring methods. 
M-Pesa is actually a really interesting example, right? Because th- this was this payments company in, in Kenya that said, actually, we can bring banking products to people's phones, mobile phones, which was the easiest way to bring um, access well beyond, uh, you know, just the cities and towns. Uh, and we're seeing, you know, that kind of extend to the digital space, certainly today, um, where you know, different types of individuals have uh, more or less access to financial products. A uh, really great example is, um, you know, you need credit history in order to get credit. Uh, that's really challenging for a lot of people, especially if you haven't, you know, didn't start in a situation where it was easy to begin building credit. Um, so e- even with Argyle, you know, one of the things that we're trying to bring to the credit space in particular is just because someone hasn't accessed credit before and, and maybe doesn't have as long of a history, uh, you know, interacting with financial products prior, you know, can we pull information from how they're earning, what they're earning, you know, their tenure, um, their their behavior characteristics around employment and say, you know, actually this person deserves to have, you know, access to credit beyond what um, would be otherwise, uh, you know, suggested by their credit history. Though technology and science are at the forefront, many companies use these as means to reach greater ends, people's livelihood and financial well-being. A direct path to that goal uses existing data to strengthen the individual's position as a borrower. Fintechs are doing that. Fintech companies are doing that sort of all across the landscape um, with different versions of what I just laid out, you know, alternative data, kind of reaching people in different ways, um, building products that uh, are easy, easier for some other people to consume. So it's, it's generally a space where I find a lot of the founders that I speak to, you know, in their pitches, they talk about people's lives and, and how their product will improve them. And I, I just always love that about this space. And I think anyone who enters the sector feels that pretty immediately. So even the really technical products like ours at Argyle are inextricably linked to asking, you know, how will this impact people? Arnold's path to fintech focused upon the impact payments could have on people. Her stint as a venture capital investor imprinted upon her the simple ways payments can improve an individual's finances. Kind of had a series of different jobs, uh, but was always listening to podcasts and reading and yapping on about it to anyone. Um, but it wasn't actually until I joined a venture capital firm, F Prime, that I was actually kind of immersed in fintech for the first time. So there, you know, we were, we were, and they continue to make investments into companies like Toast, Flywire, Recurly, kind of one of the original subscription payments businesses, lots of other really interesting fintech companies, right as the fintech funding boom really started to take off. Um, so I was super grateful to have that opportunity to really learn a lot about how the financial industry works, what products um, you know can do uh, to improve financial situations, um, and and even you know the more simple things like how easier payments can just make people's lives a little bit better. Thanks to rapid tech advancements in recent years, we're living in a time where the democratization of creation is constantly pushed to the precipice. It has never been easier to be a one-person venture. The new ways in which people create income raise new challenges and opportunities in processing that data. You know, I, I think this is one of the more interesting topics um, that, that's being written about, speaked about, kind of uh, people are paying attention to right now is this, this idea of the creator economy, which is a, a term that was only coined uh, recently. But um, I think to, to summarize what's happening, you know, we're in the midst of a you know decades-long shift where thanks to the internet and the march of, software and tech advancement, there's a sort of full-scale democratization of creation happening, not just in traditional media forms, but in all kinds of different verticals. So, um, 
you know, for to take media as an example, you know, once upon a time to produce, edit, distribute videos required specialized equipment, um, specialized skills, you know, money to fund the creation. It might have cost millions of dollars to create a production uh, quality uh, video. And tech advances, and now your phone is capable of creating a high quality video. Software tools make editing more affordable. And internet companies like a YouTube or a TikTok make wide distribution possible. So now we're, you know, we've moved into a different world where everyone can be a sort of full stack media creator, whether that's being a vlogger, an Instagram influencer, or a Twitch streamer. Um, the same thing is happening in e-commerce. There's many verticals that that could be examples, but uh, in e-commerce, think, you know, in the back in the day, the firm was responsible for product design, manufacturing, shipping, marketing. You know, at one point, it obviously made a lot of sense for a, a limited set of companies to be able to build up that set of assets and capabilities. But now enter Shopify, enter Amazon, enter dropshipping companies and the, you know, reducing into bits all of the pieces uh, and parts that are required to create and distribute a, a product. Um, and now, you know, it's just much easier, much more cost effective for an individual to design their own product, market it and sell it on the Internet. Um, and so, you know, we're kind of seeing this happen all, all across different verticals. And sorry, I have to do one more. But, you know, even software engineering, I think my fiance built a consumer app this month by himself. And that's just crazy to think about. You know, he didn't need to buy a server. He didn't need to write his own code to, um, you know, authenticate users or. Uh, you know, build a feed. There's tons of little bits of code that he was able to leverage. He probably used 35 different packages that someone else had already put together. And so it's the same concept. You know, you take some portion of the foundational elements of building a thing and democratize them, make them cheaper, uh, easier to access, easier to consume. And then people can focus on the next hardest uh, uh, problem. So, um, yeah, this trend is just playing out all over the place. And what, again, what, what might have at one point cost millions to start up is now dramatically more affordable. And so we see the explosion of, you know, people breaking out on their own um, in, in all sorts of verticals. With the rise of the creation economy and multi-gig careers, people's work and incomes change. For many people today, their traditional monthly pay stub is no longer relevant or does not stand alone. It is up to financial services to reimagine their relationships to consumers and meet them where they are. Lots of founders are starting to ask that question of, you know, what, what does it mean for financial services um, as you know, the way we work uh, starts to change? And, you know, for some examples of how these types of creators are making money, if you, you know, one sort of standard example is someone might be uh, earning some money off of YouTube with their videos. You know, maybe they uh, are taking tips on Twitch. Maybe they have a Shopify store where they sell merch. Um, and so if that idea of, you know, an individual earning in all kinds of different ways starts to become more popular, um, you know, how does financial services need to adapt uh, to that type of individual? And, and that's an extreme example, but a more common example, which is happening actually a lot today is actually just self-employed people doing things like design, engineering, marketing, consulting on a contract basis, or, you know, as an individual sole proprietor. So, uh, you know, example of someone who maybe works part-time as a startup, at a startup, um, has a consulting business on the side, maybe they occasionally pick up Uber shifts. Um, it, it's a big bucket of people. You know, you can hear numbers as high as 50 or 60 million people in this bucket. Based on my own, my own hunting, it's probably more like, you know, 35 to 40 million, but still that's, that's 22% of working adults, which is up from 
something like 10% in you know, 30 years ago. So these are exciting sectors and, and founders are doing lots of stuff to bring, uh, you know, make sure that financial services adapts to this new type of individual. With new solutions to manage and report multiple sources of income, FinTech is arising to make financial services easier for creators. FinTech innovation in the creator economy was actually just business model innovation and changing the way an individual, can, an individual creator can make money. We started off originally where, um, you know, platforms took the vast majority of the earnings created by someone's content and, uh, you know, really started by Twitch. Uh, there have increasingly been ways for people to actually directly monetize their own um, content creation, their own, uh, you know, their own work. So that could be tips. Um, Twitter has now launched tips as well. You know, putting payments on a blog, you could argue Substack is themselves a fintech company you're making it uh, easy for someone to adapt a business model to their own, you know, uh, business of one. Um, certainly like NFTs is a really interesting, um, example of, you know, a financial tool to cash in on influence and actually capture growth and attention with growth and value. There's also, you know, certain financial services, uh, that are specific to creators, people are starting to, 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 to build. So, you know, one example, creative juice lets uh, creators invest in other creators. Um, you know, stir is, is a new one that, that manages income streams coming from multiple different sources. If back to the former example of say, I have a pet, a Patreon, you know, a Shopify store, Twitch, all these different income streams. So there, there will be horizontal type FinTech plays as well, where people start to say, how do I help individuals that earn income in multiple streams better manage their financial situation. While some financial services provide newfound solutions to modern work lives, the industry still lags behind. Traditional systems are not quite ready to embrace the new workers' needs for financial services and products. Argyle is the most focused is actually just, you know, how prepared is the financial industry at large to handle, um, you know, the more mundane version of uh, the creator economy, people who have multiple income streams via freelance, via contract work, via gig. Um, and really the financial industry is quite unprepared to, to adapt to a different type of um, personal PL. One example of the way that Argyle in particular is helping financial uh, companies adapt is, I'll give the example of mortgage lending. So in mortgage, as you read the requirements for uh, self-employed people, it, it sounds like a business diligence. You know, it's two years of business tax returns. Sometimes there's a cash flow analysis. Sometimes they're asking for a balance sheet. Um, it, there are even cases where a competitive market assessment is, is required. So clearly the, the compliance and the requirements around offering a mortgage loan to self-employed people is designed around a small business owner archetype versus the archetype we talked about where an individual is somewhere in between, you know, an employee, a contractor, a sole proprietor, and earning income via multiple different streams. So in that scenario, you know, even as this type of person becomes more common and, um, you know, increasingly they're earning just as much income as traditional W-2 employees, um, this industry is not really set up well to make it easy for them to access the same types of products. You know, for, for me to have to provide a, a, a three statement, you know, audited uh, business report about my freelance income stream and my gig, my gig income, it's not easy. You know, it, it requires work on both the part of the borrower and the loan officer. 
Um, and even just something as simple as income verification uh, for even just one of these streams, you know, I, I've actually had a lender forward me an email thread of six or seven people trying to figure out how do we verify income and employment from Instacart, you know, asking, is there a number we can call? So it's it's just really, it's not the, you know, it, that's just one example of, you know, the industry is not quite prepared for, um, you know, how do we change the way we onboard, we underwrite um, in, in order to, to map to this new type of um, employment model. When it comes to bank data and data aggregation, we think about the data ecosystem growing up around the financial institution with fintech simplifying that information. But for Argyle and other data aggregators, that ecosystem actually revolves around the individual. You know, Plaid, Plaid connects bank account data, right? And that's a lot of institutions are starting to use that for cash flow underwriting. But, you know, what happens if actually, um, you know, I have, I have an, a personal bank account, maybe I have a stored value account on some platform where I earn money for doing something and a business bank account linked up to a Shopify account. So it's not just in employment that there will be a fracturing of information sources, but actually, you know, in, in kind of where the different, the amount of services that you even use. So it, it makes aggregators like Plaid, frankly, and like Argyle, all the more important to be able to have a way for people to bring together all of the different data streams that might be relevant to their um, you know, attractiveness as a borrower, as, as a lending example in an actually convenient fashion versus having to go through an entire process around one income stream, an entire process around another income stream, and then providing a you know full business diligence on the consulting revenue I get on the side. As data aggregators put power in the hands of the individuals, the question arises whether individuals are actually aware of their financial data and empowered to take ownership over it. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think very much not. I can really speak best to the way employment data is transacted. Um, and in that instance, the individual is very limited, their involvement is very limited. So the kind of traditional model for a, and I'll, I'll keep using the mortgage lending example because I think it's um, the easiest one. Uh, the traditional way that they might verify income and employment is they actually ping a credit bureau who may have collected this information often for profit um, over you know, many years and have a very large file built up on, on anyone's income or employment. Granted, coverage is not 100%, but there is a, a, a good amount of just data sitting in a database somewhere, and then they'll resell that to lenders um, as asked. And you know, consumers may be aware of it. You know, maybe they read the fine prints on their employment contract. Um, you know, maybe they understand the space, but for the most part, they don't know that you know on a monthly basis their data is being sent off um, uh, somewhere else without their consent. They're not in control of the flow of that data. So, it, certainly, certainly not. You know, the type of um, individual managed data uh, economy that that we're talking about yet. Um, but we, at least at Argyle, we really hope that that is the future. And what we're trying to build is the highways to, to make it easier to have that control and say, you know, I want to move my employment data or my income data or anything about the work that I do from point A to point B. And I want to be able to turn off that access at any time. Um, and I want to be able to know exactly who's, you know, who's accessing it and for what. So that's part of the 
the change that we ourselves are trying to push. And I, I think you're seeing it also in banking data and you know, I ho hope and believe we'll start to see it in other sectors as well. The great hope for the future is that FinTech will help individuals own and control their financial data, easily navigating their evolving modern careers. And that's the bottom line, making life easier to make life better. With more information about people, lenders can offer better priced financial products. That's a win for everyone. What I have always really liked about fintech is it relates to people's lives. You know, it, it relates to uh, real life in a way that I think feels to me more uh, direct than um, you know a lot of other really important and impactful technology that's built. It's a little bit easier for me to draw the connection, and and that's something that kind of motivates me personally. So you know, in this space, I think you know, we've talked about kind of how uh, Argyle can enable people that are earning via multiple income streams to, to access financial services. Um, that's one piece. But there's also, there's an entire world of extremely predatory uh, payday lenders out there that we would like to help disrupt by offering, you know, a lower risk way to lend with paycheck link loans and bring down those um, interest rates. The same thing we actually saw happen in Brazil when they implemented a similar policy. Um, so that makes me very excited. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, you know, just uh, building the new infrastructure for individuals who earn money in different ways to be able to access um, all of the products that they ought to be able to access without inconvenience, without you know, unnecessary hurdles is something that really, really excites me. This concludes the third episode in a podcast series we've been running in conjunction with Argyle. To access the other episodes in the series, head on over to the Tearsheet website.